Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, joined not by Eric Green. Eric Green is on a beach somewhere in the Dominican. Joined instead, huge upgrade, post-trade deadline, buyout market, uh, Jay Skeets of No Dunks. Skeets, what's going on, man? What's up, Blake? How's it going? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you could join me here for the uh, playoff push. Yeah, pre- appreciate it, man. Um, how's everything been? I, I know we talked, we brought Tass on the pod uh, kind of as you guys were first coming aboard with No Dunks, but things uh, things seem to be going well over there? We are absolutely loving it. Um, it's been really cool to sort of like get to focus back on making podcasts um, daily. Uh, obviously, we were making the television show when we were with the starters. We were podcasting still, but to go back to our roots as the Basketball Jones uh, way back in the day when we were in Toronto, focusing on the podcast and now do that as No Dunks with The Athletic. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm having a blast. I think the other guys are as well. We're just pumping out the contact, uh, content pretty daily. And uh, much less pressure on the the wardrobe day-to-day, I'd imagine, too. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I also have started to grow a very weird beard. Um, I'm sure you've I seen noticed photos. that. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, you know, I was given the opportunity going back to podcasts. It's like, <laughs> who cares what I look like? Um, and, you know, I was actually – because I had never grown a beard at all in my life. You know, that was always – that was always Tass's thing. Trey Kirby's awesome beard, you know, JD even. And uh, I was like, uh, you know, I'm going to give this a go. And uh, I actually pleasantly surprised myself that I could even sort of grow one. I got some patchy spots. Don't get me wrong. I'm a little Paul Pierce with it. But, uh, you know, the actual <laughs> the actual stash part and sort of the goatee area is pretty solid. And, uh, you know, my wife, Nora, doesn't even mind it. So I'm keeping it for now, at least in the, uh, you know, quote unquote winter months down here in Atlanta. Perfect. And we know from the recent play of the Boston Celtics that once all of that connects, like it did for Jason Tatum, no dunks is just going to go through the roof. Well, that's exactly right. It's funny you say that because um, I've had this now for the beard again. I throw that in air quotes, the beard that I have. <laughs> um, I've had it for a little while, but I've noticed I'm the opposite of Tatum. My 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 own personal basketball game in our pickup runs has not been that great with the beard. Um, oh, no. I, now, now that could just be, um, I'm just getting old and, uh, you know, I'm finally starting <laughs> to lose my fastball there out on the floor, but, uh, yeah, I have not played my best ball, I would say with my beard. So I don't know if there's something there, some correlation or not, but, uh, I'll stick with it a little bit longer and I'll, and I'll continue to, you know, check the numbers. Speaking only for myself, beard length has, uh, not much impact for me. It's zero points per game <laughs> and, and effortful defense, no matter what. Um, Skeets, uh, you and the other guys from No Dunks are coming back to Toronto soon, March 28th, 6 p.m. at the Rec Room uh, for a live No Dunks as well as a viewing party for uh, the return of the Naismith Cup, Raptors, Grizzlies, John Morant. Uh, looking forward to seeing you, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. I mean, we've done a couple of live shows. I know you've done them as well with Hoop Talks. Uh, always a really, really fun turnout to these uh, most of the time. Uh diehard Raptors fans, diehard NBA fans, people that have been a fan of our podcast for a long time, dating back to those Basketball Jones days. Um, so it's always great to, you know, meet some people and take some photos and, and talk hoops. I know I've done a couple with you, obviously. Um, so yeah, I'm pumped. I can't, like you just said it, like it's coming up soon. And I was like, it is? And I'm like, oh yeah, we're into March here. Like it's in a couple weeks, but yeah, March 28th uh, in Toronto, you can get your tickets through the Hoop Talks uh, website there. Yeah, that's homestandsports.com if you're if you're looking for it. Uh, the Hoop Talks Twitter will have a, a bunch of links as well. And then, of course, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you already subscribe and listen to No Dunks, but you can look for that anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, as well as in the Athletic app. 
Skeets, we got some Raptors to talk about, man. And it's sure. not, uh, we're not bringing you on at the most rosy of times for the Raptors. Last night in Denver, uh, that was Sunday night, they lost 133-118. It's their third loss in a row, which is uh, the second time they've done that this year. Uh, they haven't lost four in a row in the regular season since, I believe, the beginning of 2017. Uh, obviously, a lot of injury caveats, especially playing with, with nobody bigger than you know Pascal Siakam against Nikola Jokic last night. Uh, where's your concern level with the Raptors right now, if it's uh, on your radar at all, Skeets? Yeah, I'm trying to be fairly even-keeled uh, with the whole freaking out about the Raptors and the three-game losing streak, like you said, um, because of the injuries. I mean, look, I know it's an easy caveat, but yeah, yeah a little bit, I, I compared it on today's show, No Dunks Podcast, a little bit um, to what was going on with the Clippers, right? I mean, people were starting to freak out suddenly about the Clippers when they went on their three-game losing streak and had some tough losses and were playing some good teams, like the Raps have been here too. I mean, yeah, that Hornet one, the Hornets game, that's ugly loss. You don't want to lose to them. But the Bucks and the Nuggets, obviously elite teams in this league. Um, but the Clippers were without a lot of their guys, you know, sort of their heart and soul of their team. In some cases, like a Beverly and Paul George was in and out of the lineup. And they're missing big pieces. And that's what's really going on here with the Raps, especially when you're playing, a, you know, a giant in Jokic um, in Denver, of all places, with no surge and no Marcus All, and then even no Freddie to try and stretch the floor a little bit. So I am trying to not like overreact. You know, all these guys, hopefully, knock on wood, get back and they're healthy. And then this team we know is still one of the best teams um, in the league. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Celtics breathing down their neck there for the number two seed, I guess, worries some Raps fans, but let's just get these guys back, get back to the rotations a little more, more normal. Um, and go from there. You know, that I guess that's my answer to that. I'm just trying to trying to be chill about it. <laughs> for sure. And for anyone wondering, uh, we don't have a firm timeline on the guys coming back. Nick Nurse has said he hopes to have Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka back on this trip, but that might be too optimistic for Marc Gasol. Gasol got a pretty good pregame workout in uh, Sunday before tip-off. Fred Van Vliet seems to be a case of, you know, were this a playoff game, he could probably play through it. But because he's had issues with his shoulder in the past and he took that pretty hard screen from Giannis into the uh, in the third quarter on Tuesday, they're playing it cautious there. And Ibaka's kind of a wear and tear maintenance situation. Uh, and Dewan Hernandez starting to get pregame workouts out. So, you know, that doesn't seem like the, the biggest factor. But when you don't have Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka, anyone who's six foot ten, six foot eleven would be welcomed back uh, quite heartily. Skeets, you mentioned that you, you used the word trying a couple times with trying to keep an even keel about the Raptors and keep the kind of bigger picture and the caveats in mind. Do you, I, I know you've been at this a long time now, but do you still find that harder to do for the Raptors than you do for the other 29 teams in the league because of, you know, where you grew up and wh where you came up as a, as a blogger and podcaster? Um, actually, no, I don't think so. Honestly, um, you know, I, I am a diehard Raps fan. I, I don't, I don't hide that by any means, you know, similar to like <laughs> Bill Simmons when he's going off about his Celtics every podcast. I think I'm a little bit more uh, reserved. I don't need to inject the Raptors into every single conversation about the NBA. Um, but no, I, I, I think, uh, you know, when you've been a fan of the Raps this long, you know, the dark, dark days. Uh, and, and I was there in Toronto and I was paying my own money to go to a lot of those games 
all those losing seasons. And then as soon as I leave and come down to Atlanta, that's when, you know, the Kyle Lowry and DeRozan Raptors start actually getting into the playoffs and actually winning a lot of regular season games and moving on. And then the Kawhi thing happens. Uh, you know, the point is like, it's a roller coaster ride. There's been these very, very deep lows. Now these super high highs with last year. Um, so, you know, the, the averages, it all averages out where I don't try and get too excited um, one way or the other. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to be like a survivor player when it comes to the Raptors, right? You just don't want to get, you don't want to feel like you're too in control. Your team's doing too well and you don't want to get down too far in the dumps when you know you can bounce back at times. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think so to answer your question. I, I try not to. That I mean, look, I'm going to be always cheering for the Raptors in a playoff series, but even then, um, I, I'm not a, an insane enough fan with what I do, be the podcast or the TV show with the starters the last couple of years, that I wouldn't pick against the Raps in particular series or games or stuff like that. I, it's not like I'm always penciling them in or putting them in pen for a W. Um, you know, you know your team's capabilities and you know all the other teams because I probably maybe even watch them more than the average just Raps fan who's focusing just on Toronto. So I have a fairly good idea, I think, you know, where they stand in the hierarchy, I guess, so to speak, of the Eastern Conference or just the NBA landscape in total. Yeah, speaking only for myself, I have never picked the Raptors playoff series wrong. <laughs> I believed in them all the way. I didn't pick the Bucks to, to win the Eastern Conference Finals, certainly, and you can't find anywhere that I did do that. So. Uh, see, so, so that's where I actually get to say I did pick the Raptors uh, last go. year to meet the Milwaukee Bucks, where a lot of the other guys that I do the show with, uh, like most people, like you just said, were picking Milwaukee. So I feel good about that one, that's for sure. Yeah, I got put on the spot on Milwaukee Radio last week to uh, pick uh, if they were to do a rematch, you know, like say we pencil that in for the Eastern Conference Finals again this year. And I did it again, and I didn't feel good about it, and I hope I'm wrong again. That'd be, that'd be uh, wonderful. The Raptors... Yeah, I, w- I hope you're wrong too, Blake, but this year I would also be doing what you were doing on Milwaukee Radio there. I would, If the Bucks and Raptors were to play, you know, in a Conference Finals and, 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 you know, for the most part, everybody's healthy. I think I'm taking Milwaukee this year as well. I mean, Bud would really have to screw this up and try and play Giannis like 20 minutes a game or something. And Middleton <laughs> and Bledsoe would have to go ice cold. And maybe they do again for a couple of games. But I think I would still actually like the Bucks' chances. And that's as great as the Raps are. The Bucks just are on another level right now. Yeah, like a top five t- regular season team of all time by most analytics or even the simpler stuff like just point margin and they could end up winning into the high 60s here. Uh, if, you know, always always a chance they start to slow things down since they have, I think, a nine game cushion for the one seed. Uh, not a lot of her. And then they're going to sweep the first round, whether they get Orlando or Brooklyn or whoever it is. So, yeah, um, the Bucks. The Bucks are going to be well rested. They're going to be in good shape, and they're they're pretty deadly. Um, when you look at the rest of the East right now, Skeets, where where do you think the Raptors stack up? Obviously, Boston has been surging. I think they're only a half game back of Toronto as of this recording for the two seed. Uh, Miami has kind of hit a, a skid of late, but they have at their best looked very dangerous. And then you have. You know, no disrespect to Indiana, but Philly is the other team I'd be worried about, particularly if they slide to the sixth seed, um, you know, putting up a good fight against the Clippers with no Ben Simmons and no Joel Embiid. Obviously, the fit there is a little awkward, but I think we saw last year in the second round when that team's at their best, they're they're pretty difficult out. Where are you feeling about the Raptors' big picture in the East as those two six stack up behind Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, they're really, really clumped together, in my opinion. All of those teams you just listed, um, you know, two through really five there, Toronto, Boston, Miami, and Philly. I think I would have, if anything, I have Miami actually a tiny, tiny, tiny bit below 
the rest of that bunch. That is, uh, you know, considering the Sixers playing with a healthy Embiid and a healthy mm. Simmons, and that's a huge question mark. We, you know, Ben Simmons with the back, like that's a that's a hell of an injury and a serious injury for a young guy. And and maybe they look at the landscape and they go, I don't, I don't even know if it's worth, uh, you know, trying to get him back and trying to force him through a back injury. So and I have so anyway, the, I, I, they're right there, the Raps um, with those other teams, and it's. It's tough. I mean, it's like the Celtics is the scary one. The Raptors have like, they've truthfully struggled against some of the, you know, elite teams in the Eastern Conference. They haven't been at their best. And the big part of that to me is Siakam has not sort of dominated some of these games against, again, these sort of upper echelon Eastern Conference teams. And is there something to that or is nothing? Is it just, uh, you know, um, a small sample size or a little noise there? I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. But he needs to be, you know, a more of a superstar-like player in those matchups particular, I think is what I'm getting at here. But all that said, you know, you have the Raptors defense playing at the capability it can. That's always going to give you a chance to win a playoff series. I don't care what else is going on the other end. And that same, the same can be said, of course, with like a team like with Milwaukee. So, you, you know, your defense is that good. You got a fighting chance to uh, win 4-7, in my opinion. So they're right there. Um, I, 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 you know, it probably almost changes from day to day. Uh, or like little sort of two, three sort of segment seri- uh, games um, as they go on here of like who I have two and then who I have three and then four and five, stuff like that. It's it's just, it's flowing, um, which is pretty exciting as we get, you know, fairly close now to the playoffs. For sure. And I'm glad you brought up Siakam's performance against top teams. Uh, that was a popular talking point on Raptors Twitter after Sunday night's game. Um, he played 39 and a half minutes against Denver. Shot 6 of 21. Three ball wasn't there. Finished with 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and a pair of steals. Uh, he's struggling a little bit right now, and he was pretty critical of himself after the game. You look at his season-long numbers, they're still not bad. 23 and a half points, 7 and a half rebounds, 3 and a half assists. You know, roughly league average true shooting percentage, which isn't where he was in the past, but you see this huge spike in usage rate to almost a 30% usage guy playing the role of a true number one. Um, I think I think most people understand that this is his fourth year in the league and his first year as a number one option. We were going to see some, some ups and downs in his effectiveness over the course of 82 games. And of course, he had um, that injury that cost him a dozen games that he was a little shaky from coming out of. But Skeets, when you look at what he's doing, is there, you mentioned he hasn't been as good against the elite defenses. And I think we can get even more specific in that and talk about his struggles against teams that have a lot of length. And that's mm-hmm. particularly notable in the East because you have Philly and Milwaukee and you have potentially Bam Adebayo, who might be, you know, on paper, the best Siakam defender you could kind of create among the guys that, you know, Giannis is obviously that too, but I don't think Bud has shown us in the past, he's not going to try to task Giannis with doing that full time in a playoff series. Um, when you look at what Siakam's doing and where he's struggling, um, what specifically are you looking for from him over these last 20, 22 games? Uh, for me, it's probably the finishing at the rim and in that little floater range where he's taking a step back. Uh, is there anything else you're looking for from him? Yeah, that's a big part. No doubt. It's a, I don't know. It's like a weird thing with Siakam is he's almost at his best when you know, because it's this is usually the case with a superstar player. There is a sense of calmness. I'm in control. I've, you know, we're gonna ISO here. I'll go to work. And not that these guys are not explosive, unreal athletes. Like look at Giannis and look at obviously Harden and LeBron. Like don't get me wrong, but they're sort of like they're just uh, there's a composure. Whereas Siakam at his best is actually not playing like that, in my opinion, at all. 
it's best when he's sort of a little madness and hectic. And that's difficult to pair the two, being your go-to sort of scorer guy, um, but also play that with that reckless sort of abandon, which is like when he really excels. Um, so he's obviously at times has made that work, meshed those two together, and other times struggled. I think overall, if you go big picture, I have been blown away with what he's been able to do in the first year as the go-to guy, the, you know, your, For sure. your lead score. I mean, I like, and maybe, uh, maybe people got a little too excited after October, right? Like the first five games and he's averaging nearly 30 points per game. And everybody's like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, I'm beating the drum that he's going to win most improved back to back and all that, but he's fallen back to earth and that should be expected. And overall still, it's been really, really incredible. Just even the steps he's taken because the number one thing to be the, you know, the all-star, which he is, of course, and the superstar, which he's trying to get to, is just consistency. And it's like, that's what separates the the great from the, you know, the, the good or the superstars from the stars. It's, can you do it almost every night? And that's where we're seeing them struggle. And because you're seeing, like, like you said, like you mentioned, like, you're seeing some teams with better defenders. And how do you get your points when that's the case? But I think getting those, yeah, you definitely... Teams have figured him out a little bit too. These elite teams with not only the personnel, but how to play him a little bit better, and and knowing the you know the spinoramas and all that, and the kisses off <laughs> the glass. So you're just a little bit more ready for it. So, you know, I I think it's a long winded way to say I almost like him more in in um in a scrambling, just pure attacking mode. He's at times I've seen him appear to almost think a little too much, um because. And why wouldn't he? Because you're now like, hey, man, go get us a bucket where you don't really have that pressure, you know, in years prior when you're younger and you're under a Kawhi and stuff like that. It's like you're just going to get yours in the flow of the game. And now you're, you know, now it's a little bit more like, here you go. Now go do it. And all eyes are on you. It's a little different. So if they can sort of, I guess, in a weird way, take the pressure off them in a way to have to create in those roles. But he'll get back. These will start these. He has on. He's been on this weird stretch where he's even said it right. Like some of these bunnies that are still crazy looking to most of us. And you half the time, you're like not even sure how it drops and how he sees the ang- the angles and how he kisses it off the glass. He knows like I can hit these shots. I've done it before for long, long stretches. It just sort of, uh, it's gone away from a little bit and it's sort of uh, bled its way into the rest of his game offensively. So he'll get it back. I have faith in him. And I like to hear those quotes after the game where he's like, ah, you know, they're just not dropping for me, but we'll get there. I, lo- I love hearing that from him. So um we will see he's still a young guy and he's being asked to do a lot in his fourth year for sure and I, I think you know what you said about big picture had you come into the year and this was a stat line and this is what he had been doing everyone would have been in, like incredibly enthusiastic about that um you know I think yeah. people forget sometimes too he signed a max contract extension but that kicks in next year the antis- the idea is that he'll be that guy by the time next year rolls around not that he would be that guy immediately because going from you know, a number two, number three to being a bona fide number one is the hardest jump a guy can make. So that's right. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, we'd like to pause for a brief minute to ask you, our faithful listeners, to check into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there for a very short survey. You all know so much about us, uh, me, Eric, when we get Skeets or Tass or someone else on, and we don't know anything about you. The survey is 11 super simple questions that will take you under 60 seconds. I promise. So head to the show notes for today's episode and click on the link. Uh, Thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. Skeets, more to the positive side, because I don't want to stick with too much negativity with the injuries in Sunday's game and Siakam slumping a bit. OG Ananobi, man. 
That was uh, a lot. A career-high 32 points, career-high 7 steals. The first Raptor to ever go back-to-back games with 6-plus steals. Downright Doug Christie-like. Uh, what are you seeing from OG right now, Skeets, and how encouraged can we be by these last couple games? Oh, well, yeah, we can be very encouraged because th- th- we're seeing in OG sort of at times the the bump, the jump we saw from Pascal Siakam last year, right? And that was the whole, that was the whole hope of all Raptors fans. I think it was maybe asking a little too much, but the idea like, hey, we did it with Pascal Siakam. Now let's see him. Let's do it with OG. But yeah, he is a ball hawk right now um, with all of these steals, the six and then the seven. You know, Doug Christie-like, I mean, let's be honest, at times a little Kawhi-like. And th- and he is he is much different, especially the offensively, um, how he plays. He is a bit more actually sort of like Kawhi, a little bit more um, methodic uh, about how he goes about getting some points when he's got it rolling. But yeah, that Denver loss is a funny one. I mean, they gave up way too many points. I mean, you just don't see the Raptors. You know, gave up what 133 points in that game. Like that's just not something you see from this Raps. But yeah, it's an L. But you got this nice, nice little juicy OG story that gets everybody excited at the very least. <laughs> um, he's been – this is fun. I mean, look, it's also great timing. There's no doubt. Like, no doubt. like you're always going to want your, your guy that you're hoping can give you a little bit more, um, step it up come March and into April, than to see it you know, in October and November and have it disappear. So this might just be great timing on OG's part and obviously for Nick Nurse to uh, have a little bit more confidence on him. I love to see it. And I think it's something that we've, we've always known. Most Raptors fans felt like it was there, right? Like it's somewhere in there and you would see little <laughs> sprinkles of it every once in a while. But if you can string these together, then we then there's really something. Yeah, I think I think everything here is kind of super encouraging. The, the steals, the I think, you know, the Raptors defense being second in the league, they have a couple of guys who have a good case for all defense inclusion. I think OG's maybe at the top of the list. Fred's yep. probably right there too, but OG's played the entire season except for one game, and he's taking the toughest assignment every night. Um, I think he's right there. And then, you know, even the, the three-point percentage is back up to 37.1% on the year. It's a career-high true shooting percentage for him, career highs in rebounding, assists, steals, blocks, pretty much everything. Uh, and doing all of this, you know, those are percentage rate stats, and doing all of this in nine, ten minutes more a game, uh, super, super encouraging to see from OG Ananobi. Um yeah, and like you said, the team needs it right now. Nick Nurse said it after the game as well that, you know, he had said a couple weeks ago that he wanted to find, when OG's offense was kind of slumping, Nurse had said he it was on him, and he wanted to find opportunities for Ananobi to get a few more possessions in the natural flow of the game while being having all these guys out and OG's suddenly, you know, your number, your number three guy in some of these lineups uh, has been a pretty natural way to do that. Um, not how you want to come by it, but I think this is one of those you know, when teams have no choice but to try to look for silver linings when they're getting their butts kicked with injuries all year. Uh, but this is a legitimate one of those is that OG Ananobi is getting more opportunity to grow here. Uh, another thing that's that's been a byproduct of all these injuries, uh, we're going to take it back to maybe the negative or at least the controversial here, Skeets. Uh, we've gotten a longer look at some of the depth pieces. Rondé Hollis Jefferson has played a ton of minutes uh, starting at center the last couple games. Chris Boucher's gotten windows of opportunity. Terrence Davis, who I think everyone fell in love with pretty quickly, um, has had, you know, he's he's stayed in the rotation, which maybe everyone didn't expect for 82 games before the season. And then there's Patrick McCaw, who's played, you know, 800, 800 minutes. Um, he's, he's missed time with a knee thing, a face thing, a flu thing. But whenever he's been healthy, he's kind of, 
you know, Nurse said it before Sunday's game, he still sees him as the eighth man in the rotation. Eric and I have talked about this a bunch. I've written about it a little bit. It is the talking point with Raptors Twitter, whether McCaw has anything to do with the outcome of a game or not. Uh, so I wanted to get your take on McCaw's usage and what, you know, what Nurse sees in him versus what maybe the fan base sees in him and where you land on that. Because that's, that's the topic everyone seems to want to talk about every single day. I well, I was going to say like how, uh, I mean, I like, what's the word for it? I guess in a weird way, how blessed we are as Raptors fans at this point in our fandom that we can like zero in on whether Patrick McCaw has been a difference maker in, in losses or wins. <laughs> like that's where we're at. And you're right. It feels like every second game, that's the conversation. I get, I like, I, I guess I see why Nurse wants to play him. You know, uh, at times he he's an energetic guy. He's he's got the length. He can he's disruptive in terms of like you know getting deflections and trying to play some defense and scrambling and all that and working his you know working his tail off on that end. And then you can the flip side of that you can see um, his decision making at times on the other end from a Raptors fan's perspective where you're like, what is this guy doing? Does he even know what's going on? Um, why does he look panicked half the time? Like, <laughs> you know, again, you see it from both sides. Um, is he really, yeah. Is he, is he the reason they've lost games? Look, maybe there are some instances, uh, but I'm sure there are many others where he had zero, you know, next to no impact really on the, on the final outcome. Um, and, and like you say, he's only played in what 33 games, I think as it is, yeah. he's hasn't even played in that like barely half the games. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not trying. I don't. I don't try and like freak out about Patrick McCaw. Patrick McCaw is gonna have. He's gonna have no. You know. I. You know. Look. I guess Nurse is maybe saying the opposite. I think I'll still believe it when I see it that he's gonna start trusting Patrick McCaw in like playoff series, sort of in the in the second or third round. I. I don't really truly believe that unless you know forced to because of an injury to a guy or two ahead of him. Um, but no, I, I think. I think Nurse is just trying to keep a guy's confidence up and stuff like that. And and, and knowing how injured this team has been uh, all season long, that you may need to call on him uh, for, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minutes in a playoff game. Yeah, the conversation around him has put me in a weird place where, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Patrick McCaw fan. I think if he's like your 10th or 11th man, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, but yeah. because Raptors fans get so mad about it, I find myself defending McCaw more often than, you know, my feelings about McCaw would dictate. And I get it. I would rather, you know, if it comes down to a decision between one or the other, I would rather Terrence Davis be getting those rotation minutes in some matchups or scenarios, maybe even Matt Thomas. Um, but because the conversation gets so extreme, I feel it, it's similar to um, there was one before Jonas Valanciunas got like really effective. Not that he was ever like elite on the defensive end, but he figured it out eventually. And there used mm -hmm. to be these everyday conversations about Valanciunas' role and whether the team could win with them and whether he was sinking their defense. Meanwhile, the team was good on defense and he was improving. Uh, but I found myself defending him so often just to try to bring everyone back from extremes that right. I was, you know, it made it seem like I was on this extreme pole position just trying to talk everyone back. But I'm with you. I don't think, you know, I think it's one thing that people can point to. And I think what Nurse probably sees with McCaw is a lot of stuff that doesn't jump out right away. And I don't think I don't think I agree overall with Nurse's assessment of his defensive impact. But, you know, I don't I don't think it's the end of the world. Like you said, he's played 33 games. You know, he does have the net rating of the worst net rating of any regular on the team. But the Raptors are still even in his minutes. So it's not like yeah. they're, they're getting rolled off the floor. This is uh, like you said, this is this is 
one of those good problems where if this is what we're debating every couple games, uh, the Raptors are probably in pretty good shape. But maybe people are just doing it to distract themselves from all the injuries too. Well, yeah, that might be the case. And and there's no doubt, like you said, those other guys that people are wanting to play more, be it a Terrence Davis. Look, he's had unbelievable sort of breakout games this year and came out of nowhere. So he's got that sort of feel-good story to him. And people are like, oh, Messiah's done it again. Look at this gem. Here we go again. And then Matt Thomas, well, he's never missed a three-point shot. So, of course, people are like, why wouldn't you play him? He can stretch the floor, blah, blah, blah. So it's like on top of McCaw making, again, questionable decisions out there at times, you've got these two sort of like more, what appear to be more fan favorites, right, um, that people yeah. are clamoring to see. Which So that doesn't even really help Patrick's case at all there. But uh, I get it from the Raps fan side, but like you said you're trying to balance out like because everything in today's world is so damn extreme it's like it's not it's a lot more is sort of gray or it's uh evenly weighted so that's where we are with Patrick McCaw I don't think it's ultimately gonna matter all right let's pivot off the Raptors just for another note from the the Nuggets game on Sunday night Jamal Murray 17 points in the first quarter uh, 22 for the game a lot, to go along with five assists, a massive plus 15 uh, with him and Jokic's minutes basically dictating that game. Skeets, not to reveal too much personal information about you on the podcast, but I took offense to Jamal Murray doing this to the Raptors with me in attendance. Did you, as a fellow 519er, take offense to, to Murray saving this up for, for this particular matchup? No, no, no offense taken. I got to cheer for Kitchener's finest. You know, I'm a Stratford boy. Uh, it, we're in the area. Uh, shout out to the 519. Um, yeah, no, he was on fire. And Jamal Murray, I'm always going to cheer for most of the Canadians in the league anyway. And I especially like Jamal Murray because he's, I've said this before, he's the least Canadian Canadian in the league um, <laughs> because of his, like, just, I don't know. He just doesn't feel like a Canadian to me because he's such a He's badass. a villain. And, uh, he loves playing the villain, villain role. Yeah. Yeah, he, he really, truly does. And I sort of respect that. Uh, I love it. Um, but, you know, still a Canadian uh, in his heart. Um, yeah, no, he was on fire. And he's had a weird year, I think, you know, Jamal Murray has uh, at times. I think, you know, he came back from the injury and had some pretty explosive, you know, offensive performances. And we know he has that in him. Um, he can catch fire from three, hit the six, like you said, against the Raps on Sunday. He, um, he hit six uh, a couple of weeks ago, if I remember correctly, against the Sun. So we know he can do that. But they, he's so important, I think, to the to the Nuggets, um, you know, success moving forward in playoff series. You need a Jamal Murray as like, you know, your second guy. He's got to be there. And we saw it. We saw it last year in his first taste of the playoffs. In games, he did it. And other games, he struggled. Um, so, you know, they get some consistency from him offensively. They're a dangerous team with Jokic getting back into shape and playing the way he is and and them zeroing in a little bit more on defense. Uh, I'm always cheering for Jamal Murray, though. Always. I, even if it's against uh, our Raptors. I love it. T- to your point about um, him having that kind of villain streak to him, you know, that's something that you look at what Canada basketball's roster has needed in recent years. That's that's kind of what they need. And looking ahead to June, you know, assuming we're still going to get those tournaments with, with everything that's going on, um, which Jamal Murray alluded to on Sunday night as well, uh, you know, that's that's going to be a tasty fit there as well. Skeets, I got to before we before we wrap this up and I let you go. Jamal Murray brings up an interesting topic of, you know, he's from the 519. You yourself are. I am. What does a all 519 starting five look like? 
Like if we're pulling, <laughs> if, if we're trying to pull people in, in the basketball and basketball media sphere from, from the 519, what, what are we looking at? Like, I don't think I'm cracking the top five, but I think I'm pretty close because we have not produced a ton of basketball talent. No, we haven't. No, I mean, man, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm like racking my brain as you speak about uh, other 519ers. Um, the only, the only one I lot. really have, um, Murphy Bernatowski, who played at Colgate <laughs> and is, uh, you know, he, he actually, he was in like one of the Raptors uh, free agent mini camps a couple years ago. Uh, he's playing wow. with the St. John. He's playing with the St. John's edge in uh, the Canadian NBL last I checked, but he's a Kitchener guy. That's okay. Uh, well, bo- we might have to, we might have to, we might have to put Bieber in the mix. Were you not offended around Christmas time when he holds this like celebrity Pick up hockey game in the five one nine, and neither of us get an invite. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's and also like, what sport are you playing here? I thought you were a basketball fan. Now you're a hockey guy. Like, I feel like he gave up on basketball because he realized he wasn't that good at it. I don't know what's happening. Because yeah, you're right. He's leaned totally into the hockey now. That was he was in Stratford. That's where I'm from. Um, and uh, yeah, he rented out the arena, and it's it's all for you know he's having a blast. Do what you got to do. But uh, no, you're right. Like I'm right there. I, okay, I suck at hockey, but. You know, get me out there. I'll play goalie or something. Give me something, dude. <laughs> I did. I see. I've done the the opposite of Bieber. Is I'm a much better hockey player than I am basketball player. But I have just moved more and more toward playing nothing but basketball. So, oh well, you would kill me at hockey. I'll tell you that because uh, I am not great on the skates. Let's just put it that way. Hey, if we're playing road hockey, I can hold my own. I'm not bad with the stick right. in my hand. But uh, you put me on ice. And uh, these weak ankles, I mean, I'm I'm collapsing like Bambi, so it's not not pretty for me. We'll have to see. You 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 guys have played in the Raptors Republic annual tournament before. Maybe we'll add a road hockey element this coming Ooh. year. Oh wow! I would love to see <laughs> Lee Ellis play in hockey, road hockey. He's, he's got that he's got that crazy uh, dad strength, crazy Australian strength. He'd be. Uh, He'd be putting some people down, I think. Yeah, I would guarantee Lee's a slasher. Like he just—he oh. strikes me as someone who's going to hack at your shins for sure. Oh, Lee is a slasher when you play basketball. His like his <laughs> hands are like hockey sticks. He's got strong ass arms and mitts, and he just claws at the ball. You don't want to leave it up. He's like OG. I mean, he plays like that at times. He's like Kawhi. Uh, you got to be careful around him. Man, do you guys do you guys all play together in a league in Atlanta? Like, do you guys yeah, have a, not- a no dunks team? Yeah, we're not really in a league, so we're not playing with uh, officials or anything like that. We've gotten a little too old for that. But we play in a really, like, fun run on Wednesday nights. Like, awesome group of guys, basically the same group of guys um, every Wednesday night. And, yeah, a majority of us try and get out there at least once a week if we can and try and stay in shape and try not to blow out a hamstring or, you know, <laughs> tear something. And so far, so good. Lee, some, Lee came out on Wednesday and somehow got sick, though. Um, like he literally couldn't come into the office on Friday because he like lost his voice somehow playing basketball. I mean, and he didn't say a word while playing because he usually plays with a mouth guard and you can't understand a word he's saying. Um, so I don't know what happened there, but, uh, yeah, we play, we try and play together. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, For anyone who doesn't know, Skeets, Skeets has game. I've, I've played with the no dunks guys before. They can, they can play a little bit. So yeah, don't, train, uh, train don't sleep on this five one nine. Yeah. Don't sleep on don't, the don't sleep on this five one nine all star team. Yeah, Ske- Skeets okay. at point guard, okay. Jamal Murray at the two. I, Murphy Bernatowski might have to play the five. He's he's not a five, but we might have to throw him down there. Okay, I'll guard the five. Whatever. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll all figure right, you're, it out. So so I think yeah okay. The guy you said at center that I can't even pronounce his name. 
Um, yeah. Then you're playing four, Blake. I guess we're putting. Uh, yeah. We'll put Jamal at the three. How about we put Jamal at the three? We'll put Bieber at the two, and then we'll okay. put. Uh, I'll run the point. Yeah. And then we we could also uh, Ryerson's new head coach, the guy who took over for Roy Rana, Borko Popic. Uh, used to play against uh, he. I don't know if he was born in Kitchener, but he was in like our District Eight League, uh, Quasa. So I'm sure oh. he's still got a little game. But but if if he's you know if he's at a point now where he doesn't want to play a ton, at least we have a coach. So okay, great, great. We've got a whole squad now. We're all right. We'll we'll be we'll be great. We'll find some way to to make this happen. Um, maybe yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. If we do, if you guys make it to another RR tournament, I'm sure you're going in as no dunks. And I don't know that Jamal would play, but we'll see. If Jamal gets, <laughs> if Jamal commits, will you will you switch teams from no dunks to to the five one nine team? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's where I'm from. Those are my roots before my podcast roots. So yes, I'm in on the five one nine team. <laughs> All right. I li- also I like that I, I I made it a bigger deal that you have to join us. That yeah, getting Jamal Murray and Justin Bieber, no problem. But will you switch teams? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I will be. I will be the holdout, um, and I will keep everyone's on pins and needles deciding whether or not I will uh, play in that uh, in that tournament for that team, the five one nine team. Oh yes, Murray and Bieber right. are in. All right, looking ahead a little bit, Raptors have four more games left on this road trip. I'm on three of them. They're in Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento, and Utah. That's probably when we'll talk to you guys next after that Utah game. Uh, the Raptors have a little four-day off stretch after that. Skeets, what are you looking for these next four from the Raptors other than a return to health? Anything, you know, obviously Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento is not a murderer's row of opponents, but anytime you got a shorthanded five-game West Coast trip, uh, things are probably not going to be easy. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you're right. Some wins would be nice against some of this uh, subpar competition, but both the Suns and the Kings, I mean, are playing for their lives. I mean, they're playing for their playoff lives. Uh, Phoenix has sort of fallen out of it now, but Sacramento's right there. So that, to me, is by no means a, a Raptors, you know, gimme win. Uh, and the Jazz, well, they're hit or miss, um, but we know when, you know, they've got it going. They're an elite team. So I'll be honest, as a Raps fan, I'll be, uh, if all the injuries are still piled up here, I'd be pretty happy just going two and two over these final four. I'm not, I'm not even asking for, uh, you know, too much, a three and one or four and oh. So just get back to Toronto to, uh, you know, then play the Pistons and Warriors, which I mean, uh, you can almost pencil in as uh, victories, I would say, against those squads. So just get back and don't anybody else get injured for crying out loud. That includes you, Blake. <laughs> I'll be fine. See, with the with the injuries and everything, I was initially hoping that Steph Curry would be back on this trip. I would love to see Steph Curry uh, get to go to Golden State's new arena later this week. But now it's like the Raptors. You know, I don't I don't know that they that they want that that kind of thing. You right. mentioned Sacramento's playing well. Sacramento's won seven of their last ten as they push uh, for this yeah. last playoff spot. Um, and sorry, just uh, one correction earlier. I said the Raptors were nine games back of Milwaukee. For the East, they are ten games back of Milwaukee. Um, it looks like it's very much going to be a two-three battle there. Uh, and then you look at, you know, what the Raptors need to do over this stretch. Well, you look at Boston's upcoming schedule, and Boston's strength of schedule the rest of the way is slightly easier, uh, particularly over this same amount of time. They play Brooklyn, Cleveland, Utah, and OKC. And while you can Utah and OKC are not easy opponents, both of those are at home for Boston. So uh, could be a swing in the Eastern Conference standings here. Skeets, man, um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to March 28th. A reminder to everyone, No Dunks Live at the Rec Room. You can go to homestandsports.com to get tickets for that. A little pregame No Dunks and then a live viewing party for Raptors Grizz 
John Morant. Hopefully, Brandon Clark's back by then. Get JV rolling through town. Uh, Skeets, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Blake. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait for the uh, Naismith Cup, man. Still a thing, right? Yeah, we'll make it a thing. If not, well, the RR tournament that we're talking about, we'll, we'll resurrect the Naismith Cup for that. <laughs> okay, I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, guys, we will talk to you uh, next week after the conclusion of this road trip. Thanks so much for listening. And Eric will be back then. Uh, Eric, I hope you're having a wonderful time on the beach. 